I'm going to ask uh, my Bible driller kids. So normally, so today's Family Sunday, and normally I bring all the kids up. Can you guys hear me? Is this on? It's not on very loud. You better turn this up, Ricky. There we go. All right. There we go. So I usually ask all the kids to come forward. I'm not going to do that this morning. What I want to do is I want to ask if you last, was it last Sunday night or Sunday before? It was last Sunday. Last Sunday night we had associational Bible drill. So if you participated in associational Bible drill, I'm going to ask you to come forward this morning. Okay, so all my other kids that are here this morning, I want you to look at the shining examples that these uh, kids are. It is for 4th, 5th, and 6th grade. They have to learn 25 verses, 10 key passages, and know their books of the Bible in order. So what I, wa- what I want to do is I want to start here. I want you to tell me your name, and then I want you to tell me what your favorite verse is that you've learned. Okay? Um, I'm Maddie, and my favorite verse was James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Doers of the word, right? Yeah. My name's Sydney Mann. My favorite verse is Psalms 119.11. I have treasured the word in my heart so I may not sin against you. My name is Nathaniel, and my favorite verse is Psalm 56.3. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. My name is Hunter Mann, and my favorite verse is Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. I'm Eli Rogers, and my favorite verse is also Psalms 56, 3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I'm Ethan Rogers, and my favorite verse is Psalms, is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Listen, that is the whole point of why we do this, so that they're hiding God's word. What, Psalm 51, 3, is that what you said, Nathaniel? 56, 56, 3, right? That's right. That's why, they, that's why we do it. That's the whole point of hiding God's word in your heart, memorizing this. So next Saturday morning at 1045 at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, we have, they will be competing against other churches from all over the state uh, to crown state perfect state champion Bible drillers. So I just wanted to say, and all you kids, when you get to 4th, 5th, and 6th, and parents, make your kids do this. Make them do this. It's important. I just want to tell you guys I'm really proud of you, and good job. Give them a big hand. Thank you. You guys can go sit down. Thank you. Okay, the other thing I want, we wanted to do today is we have some graduating seniors that are going to be graduating high school and college, and we have stuff uh, from the church for them. Is Jackson, I, I know Jackson's uh, at C of O. I don't think, ja- is Jackson here this morning? Nope, Jackson's not here. Okay. Uh, Alyssa, Alyssa, would you come up? I'm not trying to pick on you. Your card was first. Tell us what your plans are. But just for a second. 
Um, my plans are to go to OTC for two years and then go to SBU and become a PICU nurse. Awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Haley, come on up here. Well, I'm going to go ahead and have you all come up here. Robbie, Cody, and Sierra. All right, sis, tell everybody what you're doing. You can go first. Yeah, you can go first. Um, I'll be graduating on the 20th with my degree in elementary education. Um, I'm not done yet. I still got another year of my master's to go, so technically I'm graduating, but I'm not graduating. Um, and I'm still on the hunt for a job. I don't know where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing yet. Um, I hope it's here in Marshfield. <laughs> no. Mom and dad say no. Um, but I'm just trusting that God will put me where he wants me, um, and I have peace at that. So that's it. Um, I plan on uh, doing hair and makeup for going to school for that, so Good. that's what I plan on doing. <laughs> uh, my plans are pretty much set. Uh, I started working out there at XPO and uh, plan to retire from there in 40 years, so. <laughs> Good. Cody? Uh, I plan on becoming an engineer, uh, going to OTC for two years, and hopefully to MSU, if they'll, they'll take me. <laughs> All right, perfect, good, all right. Do we have a slideshow? Did they get the slideshow done? Perfect. to do
Are you past the point of weak? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. You're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way All right. Brenda, thank you for putting that together. And uh, after church, for all the, the families of the seniors, we have uh, lunch downstairs for you. So please stay uh, after church. So a couple of announcements before we uh, get into our time of worship this morning. This afternoon, we have discipleship at 4.30, guys. Discipleship will happen. Uh, and then men's Bible study at 6 o'clock tonight. At 3 o'clock, young adults, college and career, we're leaving from here at the church and going to Springfield tonight. Uh, to, to go to Big Shot Golf and have a lesson and then um, eat dinner. So 3 o'clock, be here. We're going to take the church uh, bus. So be here at 3 o'clock this afternoon, college and career, uh, young adults. Business meeting Sunday, May 15th. If we, last Sunday after church, we passed out the plans for the new church building. Uh, and so look those over. We'll be voting on those on Sunday, May 15th. May 15th. Um, what else do I got? Real quick. Next Saturday is a busy, busy day. So be ready. Next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. is the Choices Pregnancy Center Walk for Life over at the fairgrounds. So um, be there for that. We have a Crossbridge team that we do every year. Uh, that's at 8 a.m. Bible drill is at 1045, like I mentioned, at Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield. And then that afternoon from 3 to 6, we have the outreach at the park. Um, so we'll have food, uh, bounce houses are going to be set up. We're going to be sharing the gospel with people. We have some uh, a prayer tent that we're going to be doing. and uh, So it's going to be a good time. If you haven't signed up or, or talked to Mike, please do so on helping with that. It's going to be a busy day. Uh, Friday, May 13th, the women are going to Rosebud Farms and Baker Creek in Mansfield. Ladies, do they need to sign up for that, Valerie? Okay, get with Valerie uh, for that trip. It's on Friday, May uh, 13th. And you got, are you taking the bus? You guys taking the bus? Possibly, maybe, I don't know. Get with Valerie on that. Men's Prayer Breakfast, fellows, is Saturday, May 21st uh, at 8 a.m. 
And what softball game this week is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. I think you guys won again, didn't we? They're undefeated. The softball, the church softball team is undefeated. And they play at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. So, something else. Last announcement here. Uh, kids Fishing Day is Saturday, June 4th. It is uh, out 38 Highway towards Elkland at Compass Church. They give away free uh, fishing poles and there's a fish fry. It's Saturday, June 4th from 9 uh, to 2 that day. So anything that I forgot that we got going on today or this week? Monday, 8.30 a.m. at Prickly Cactus Ladies for breakfast. Tomorrow at 8.30. So anything else? Okay, if you would stand this morning, we're going to take up our morning offering and have our worship time before we hear from Mike Estelle today. So go with me in prayer again as we bless our morning offering today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, again, just for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you. And as we give back to you today, that is an act of worship. So I, I, I pray, God, for wisdom, discernment uh, over this, uh, these finances, God, that we'll use it to further your kingdom, to fund our, our church, our missions. And uh, Lord, so bless it and use it. Be with Mike today as he comes and brings, brings us the word uh, about South Dakota and, and what's going on there and that we can support him. Uh, and in all things, God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
All right, you may be seated this morning. So a lot of you know this guy. Uh, he is somebody that two years ago, about two years ago, right? Yeah, about two years ago, year and a half, year and a half, working on two, right? Uh, we sent out as a missionary almost, right? Um, and he, uh, Mike and Kim, they were uh, our, our youth, he was our youth pastor um, and, and led Marshfield Freeway. And they were, were called to Rapid City, South Dakota to plant a brand new uh, freeway in Rapid City, South Dakota. And last year we went up there, I went up there a couple of times, and uh, not only is, is he somebody this church loves and and, and she's somebody this church loves. We adore their family. One of my best friends in ministry, somebody I can count on that will tell me the truth, be honest with me, have tough conversations when we need to have them, right? And uh, I just love them. So for y'all that don't know him, he is a just an amazing guy, amazing. She is an amazing woman. I'm very proud and honored to know him and do ministry with him. So Mike, come on up here. Tell us about South Dakota. Hammer down, brother. Can you hear me? Okay. Well, my hands are sweating. My mouth is dry. That's typically what I do when I go to present or preach. So I just wanted to start by opening up. And uh, this is our home. Uh, this is our home. This is a church uh, that uh, makes it hard for you to leave. And, uh, and so it was hard for us to leave uh, to go to Rapid City, South Dakota. But we felt like God was calling us there. Um, we thought that uh, we went up there, we visited, and we were told that the gospel's not been up there, that there's actually people that live in the United States of America, and they never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thought, man, it's amazing that it just blows our minds that that could possibly happen within the United States. Well, we get up there and we move up there, and that's exactly what, what it is. That's exactly what we're dealing with. It's dark. Um, it's a, there's a bunch of dead, dry religion up there that obviously we know that doesn't save anyone. And, uh, and they are in desperate need. So we went up there to reach um, the Native Americans. And uh, we're plans, uh, we have plans going to the reservations that are nearby. We haven't made it to the reservations yet because of the need in Rapid City is so great. So there's 70,000 people that live in Rapid City. And, uh, and 15 to 18,000 uh, transient uh, Native Americans uh, live there, um, walk in the streets, they're in the missions, they're in the treatment centers. There's a uh, Rapid City Creek runs right through the center of Rapid City, South Dakota. And they, uh, what they do is they live on that, that creek. Um, they do everything on that creek. They eat there, they, they sleep there, um, they wash their clothes in that creek. And uh, Oops, yep, it's me. You'd never think that you would see those kind of things within the United States of America because we're, it's, it's plentiful here. It's bountiful here. Uh, you know, it's the land of opportunity. If you want to get a job or you want to start a business, this is the, the one country where you can do it. But I want you to understand today is this is what we're dealing with. Uh, this is exactly what we're dealing with up there. And so first thing I want to say, congratulate the seniors, um, uh, especially uh, somebody like me. I didn't graduate high school. I dropped out at the, the age of 15. Uh, because I got addicted to drugs, and so for them to graduate today, it's something definitely to celebrate. Uh, I'm grateful that we're able to be here today for that. And then also, I want to thank you. I want to start this uh, today by thanking you, uh, because we are missionaries from Crossbridge Baptist Church. Everything that we've done is you guys have been a part of from the beginning. 
um, you sent us a van, and that van is used every week, and we go and get people, uh, and we bring them to freeway service. So we go to the missions, the treatment centers. Uh, we go everywhere, uh, and that van is being used um, often, at least weekly, if not more than a week, uh, weekly. Also, um, your prayers. I know that there's several in, in here that uh, have prayed for us, that continue to pray for us, and they have kept us going. Uh, because there's been times that, that I told Kim, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, it, yeah, anyway, your prayers got us through. We also want to uh, thank you for uh, supporting us financially, uh, providing us a way to be able to move up there, the way you sent us off up there, uh, and the way you continue to support us today. And Brother Jeff, uh, you know, he is my best friend, and we still communicate, and it goes both ways. We talk to each other often. And uh, when I feel discouraged or I feel alone or I feel beat up and I want to quit, uh, you know, I've called him and uh, in, in the same likewise. And so we, our friendship has continued to grow since we've been gone. But I want you to understand today, the ones that know us, the ones that sent us off, uh, that you guys have supported us. And because of your support has allowed us to be able to do what we have already done. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. So we're going to be... We're going to be in Luke 13, 18 through 21, and I'm going to set my clock here, so for some reason people think I tend to go long when I preach, so I don't know where, I don't know where they got it. So we were here last night at Freeway, and, and Brother Will brought the message, and, and, um, and so my son, uh, I rode with him, and him and his new wife. Uh, our new daughter Josie and and so he's sitting next to me the service gets over and uh and Parker uh reaches over and says dad he's not as long-winded as you are I, was, <laughs> I, I, said, I said I don't know what to say about that so we're going to be in uh, Luke 13 18 through 21 and so I'm just going to tell you what we're going to do we're going to talk about how does the kingdom of God grow how does the kingdom of God grow? And so in that song there uh, that they sang, I think it was the second song, it says the gospel makes the way, or the gospel makes a way, the way, uh, right, to salvation. And we know that when somebody gets saved, some, when somebody is born again, we know that true change will definitely happen. All right, uh, we know the evidence of salvation is a changed life. And so that song uh, really talks about what we're talking about today why we do anything, because it makes a way, the gospel makes a way. And so Luke 13, 18, verse 18 is where we're going to pick up, and then we're going to go back in the other verses that have to deal with this, packet, uh, this passage, and then we'll, we'll get there, so just hold on, we'll be all right. <clears throat> so verse 18, then he said, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? Is it like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden? And it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To whom shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leaven. Let's pray. Father God, I just I pray, God, that you would still my heart. I pray, God, you'd help me declare your word. And I pray, God, it would penetrate each one of us as we uh, were in here in this building today. And we would understand... Um, how you how you do anything and so we're grateful God for your word that we're not stumbling around in the dark 
uh, what your expectation of us, the mission that you've called us to do, how to get it done. Uh, Lord, I just, uh, we just praise you for the, these things, these benefits, these privileges that we have because uh, we are your children. So I pray, God, you'd open up our hearts and help us understand how we can make a difference in this world and how, and how you operate as far as advancing your kingdom. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So in these verses here, Jesus is teaching us about his kingdom, and he's teaching us about how his kingdom grows. And, and, and sometimes we can make, make a mistake, or we can make the mistake, and we, we think that the kingdom of God uh, comes in some supernatural, big, large, huge way. Like it, it has to come in some huge event for thousands or hundreds of people uh, to come to the altars and repent of their sin and, and believe on Jesus and be saved. And it can certainly happen uh, like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. And there's not a pastor uh, that would stand behind the pulpit and, and wouldn't admit that that's what we want to happen every time we preach and we share the gospel with people. But that's not usually how God's kingdom grows. So the disciples, right, when we think like that, we're thinking like they were back then. So the, the disciples, right, they were with Jesus Christ uh, every single day for three and a half years of their lives. And all the way up into his crucifixion, they believed that what was going to happen, and they thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government. And, and they thought that he was going to set up his throne on earth, and that his kingdom would begin in that huge way. But that wasn't God's plan, as we know, as we read Scripture. So, so if God's kingdom doesn't grow in some huge, big way, how does it grow? And the first point I want to share with you is it's by reaching one, one person at a time one person at a time so in verses prior to our passage in verses 10 through 17 right we see that jesus was teaching he's in the synagogue all right so this is a let's make a an implication real quick i want you to understand this morning that jesus was in the synagogue so he was teaching in the synagogue and so how does that apply to us today right if our lord jesus christ felt like it was important to be in a church on a Sunday, how much more important should we be in his house on the days that it's open? But that's not where we're going, all right? That's not where we're going. But, but on this day, he's teaching in the synagogue. It's on this Sabbath. So on this particular day, there's a woman there, and, and she was bound by Satan, is what verse 16 says. And so this woman was bound. She'd been living her life, bent over for 18 years. 18 years. I want you to think about that for a second. For 18 years, this woman couldn't straighten herself up. You know, if you've ever uh, worked uh, for a long period of time and you've stayed bent over, you're working in your garden, you're doing something that requires you to be hunkered over for a long period of time, your back gets sore, or if you just get old like I do, and, and you know, and you do this, and you stretch your back, and how good that feels, I want you to understand this woman couldn't do that. She couldn't straighten herself up, and she was like that for 18 years. So everywhere she went, her eyes were fixed on the ground. And the only thing that she looked at other than the ground when she came in contact with people was their feet, was their shoes, was their sandals. And, uh, and so she was certainly, certainly in a lot of pain for 18 years living that way. And also she knew what it felt like to be discouraged. And this woman obviously knew what it meant to be depressed at times. And so you say, why am I telling you that? Because her physical condition... Her physical condition is a picture of our spiritual condition without Jesus Christ. 
You say, well, how is that? How is that? Before salvation, all of us were bent over. We were all bowed to sin. And none of us, right? And none of us had, had the power to free ourselves. Uh, just like this lady didn't have the ability to free herself from her physical disability. And so if you're saved in here this morning and you've been set free uh, from your addictions, you've been set free from living in sin, and this should cause you to be encouraged, it should cause you to praise, right? That is the evidence that you truly belong to Him, that you've been born again, that you are co-heirs with Christ. And so in verse 12, Jesus says that, the verse says that Jesus saw her, all right? He called her, and it says that He spoke to her. And so this is very important because in this culture, in this time, during this day, this woman was considered the lowest of the lows. In fact, if you, if you had low here on the bottom mark, she was down here. And you say, why is that? Why, why is that true? Because women, uh, women didn't hold a good position in that culture, right? Women did not hold a good position uh, or a good position in that culture. So she was a woman. She didn't have... Um, rights and stuff uh, that we do today also the second thing was is she had a disability so she had two things that were that were keeping her down the society looked at her and they didn't really care about her they, they didn't really think that she was important or that she could really add anything to the community that she lived in and so no one else would have looked at her no one else certainly wouldn't have called her no one else would have spoke to her but our Lord Jesus Christ did our Lord did. Everyone else may have ignored her, but not Jesus Christ. And in verse 13, it says, And he laid his hands on her. And so in those days, nobody would have talked to her, looked at her, called her, and they definitely wouldn't have put their hands on this lady. But we see here, Jesus, he's reaching out, he's touching the woman that nobody else wanted, that nobody else cared about. And it says, At that moment he touched her, she was healed, and what did she do? She starts praising God. She starts praising God. So think about it. For 18 years, she lived a life being doubled over, looking at the ground, in a lot of pain, discouraged. But one touch from our Lord Jesus Christ, she stood, stood straight up, and she started praising our Lord, giving glory to God, because she knew the healing came from God himself. So then in 13, it says, immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So this woman is giving God all the glory, which he should get. And this is the same thing that we do when we repent of our sin and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be the same thing we do if we truly repented and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And he saves us. When he saves us, he forgives us. And when he forgives us, he changes us from the inside out. And we give him the glory for the healing, just like this lady did. So we know, right, there's nobody that Jesus Christ cannot save, cannot forgive, and cannot change. We know that. And this is why we share the gospel, other than the reason of uh, what uh, that young, young man said about the Great Commission, other than the fact that we are commanded to do it uh, by our Lord Jesus Christ. But, right, we share the gospel. Why? Because it, it saves. Because Jesus saves. We know there's nobody he can't touch and save. This is why we do freeway ministries. 
This is why we provide housing right now in Rapid City and Marshfield and Springfield and all these discipleship houses that we have right now in operation, right, that nobody else would ever even think about renting to. This is why we have these, these houses. This is why we have these apartments in operation, to give these opportunities to the people that are moving in there because we know God can save them, forgive them, and change them just like he did us. This is why we go into the jails. This is why we go into the treatment centers. This is why we go into the men's mission. This is why we go into the women's shelter. This is why we go into the men's mission. This is why we do what we do. And this is why we're getting ready to go on the reservations this summer. It's why we do anything. Why? And somebody asked me, why do you do what you do? Because we know if God can save, forgive, and change a dirty, rotten scoundrel like Mike Estell then he can certainly change, forgive, and, and ch- or he can, certainly for- he can certainly save, forgive, and change anyone else. You with me? All right, there is no case that's incurable for our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no man or woman so far gone that Jesus can't save. If they're alive, uh, there is hope. There is hope. So how does God's kingdom grow? One person at a time. We want to invest. We want to see one person get saved. One person gets saved. So, second, how does God's kingdom grow? By not overlooking the small and in, in, insignificant things. If I said that right. So in our verses today, we meet a man, right? In our verses 18 through 21, we meet a man sowing a mustard seed in the ground and a woman, leaving, or a woman putting leaven in a batch of dough. Right, And so the first word, if you have New King James Version in your Bible, it has the word then. And so what it does is, that word then, what it does is it connects everything that I just talked to you about. Jesus healing that woman in the synagogue that had been bound by Satan for 18 years. So it all goes together. And so in verse 18, Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? So it's a rhetorical question because he answers it. He says it. He says, it's like a mustard seed that a man plants in his garden. Now, the mustard seed was the smallest seed uh, that that a Jewish farmer ever planted. If I had one here in my hands, it would be hard for you to see it. In fact, if you're on the back row, you wouldn't see it at all, right? And, And so, but this seed, right, once it was planted, it would grow up to 15 foot tall. It was the largest plant. And so because of that, right, birds would come from everywhere, and they would, they would perch on there. They would make their nest in there uh, in all the branches. And so it's actually a reference to the Old Testament where God's kingdom would grow so large that all the kingdoms of the world, all the kingdoms of the world would be affected by it. Every nation, every country, every part of the planet would be affected by it. So Jesus is teaching us that his kingdom will accept what? All the nations on earth. Yep, the white man, the Native American, the Asian, the, the, the black man, whatever you want to call it, right? We all are born in the image of God, that's what he says in Genesis 1:27, right? And we are all God's people born in his image. All right, we have a problem though. Right? We came into this world, we're sinners, we're separated from God. And until we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, only then, only then can we become children of Him. 
And so why do we go on the reservations? Why do we go to different people groups? Why do we leave a, a healthy, vibrant church that loves us, that cares for us, that supports us? Why would we leave that? For this reason right here. Because these people where we're at in Rapid City don't have what you have here. They never heard the truth. They never heard the truth. Up there they believe that baptism is salvation. Up there they believe that if they said a prayer, they're good. Up there they believe if somebody put their hand on them and confirmed them at, at, a, at a young age, they are good to go. I counseled a guy uh, that came in through our church, had been in, uh, part of a church. Uh, age 12 he was confirmed, he was sprinkled, and uh, he's 63 years old. And uh, I had him share his testimony in our discipleship class, and all the class shared. And it got to him, and he shared, and then he left that. And on the way home, he told his wife, and he said, he said, you know, everybody's answers was this. And Mike asked me my testimony, and my answer wasn't like everybody else's answers. And then, he, and then he came back to me, and he asked me a question. He goes, what's going on? And what had happened was is he had never repented of his sin. Never repented of his sin, but he believed, but he would never repented. Right? You've got to have both. It's the same coin with two different sides on it. You cannot be saved without repentance. And so what happened after a couple counseling sessions, we worked through repentance. He truly got saved. His marriage is back on track. And God is using him, and he's cha he changed him from the inside out. But I tell you all that because what happened if he would have died? What happens if he would have died from 12 until 63 until he was in my class and he, and he heard that uh, he had a problem, that he wasn't truly saved? If he would have died and he would have stood before the Lord, what would he have said? I was confirmed at age 12 by so-and-so. And Jesus would have said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. It would have been too late. So we're desperate, right? We don't have a lot of time. There's people dying every single day of the week. Right now, somebody's dying that needs the gospel. And so, we want to reach all the nations of the world. And as long as they repent of their sin and believe on Jesus Christ, right, they will be saved. So God's kingdom starts small, but it will continue to grow. Maybe you're looking around and you don't see much growth. You don't see much going on in, in, in Marshfield, Missouri. But I want you to understand today, right, I know there's a testimony of men already in here and, and, and people in this room today, right? They came and they repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and God added to his kingdom one by one by one by one. And you guys are doing it. I heard about the housing you're getting ready to do, uh, the housing you're already supporting in Marshfield, uh, what you do on Saturday nights for freeway, but we don't want to stop there. We don't want to stop there. Right? There's somebody today that needs to hear the gospel that it could be their last day. It could be their last moment. And they think because they're from a different tribe and a different nation or they speak different or their background's different or their parents are different, that, that the gospel's for some reason is not for them. And we need to be the ones to tell them that, yes, it's for you. It needs to be us. So God's kingdom starts small, but it will continue to grow. You know why? Because God promises it will. So verse 21, it says that God's kingdom is like leaven, which I think of yeast. Uh, it says, which a woman put in a batch of dough until the whole lump of dough was penetrated. So the idea here is, is you take a batch of dough and you put a little yeast in it, and that little yeast affects the whole dough, affects the whole mound of dough. And so what it does is inwardly, 
the kingdom of God transforms the whole part of the human life, right? This is why we say a saved life equals a changed life, right? It starts on the inside, and because it starts on the inside, when somebody gets saved, then it directs everything else that outwardly is going on. What they listen to, what they watch, what they do with their hands, where their feet go, right? It's something that happens inwardly. And it's just a little bit of yeast or a little bit of leaven that affects the whole lump of dough. With me? So God's kingdom penetrates every part of your life, every part of my life if you're saved, just like a little yeast or just like a little leaven will do to some dough. So we got two encouraging pictures from the farmer and the baker, right? So the kingdom of God is going to grow outwardly, just like that little tiny mustard seed that grows to be 15 foot tall that birds nest in. And it's going to grow inwardly, uh, just like a little bit of yeast into a big amount of dough. It penetrates every part of it. And it's going to be brought to a point, this is what we're waiting for, it's going to be brought to a point in which one day it will be complete. One day it will be finalized. One day we will be home with Him forever in glorified bodies. This is what we're waiting for. We're not waiting for anything to happen. Everything in Scripture has already happened. Jesus can come back today. Today. So even though, right, we're, we're heading to that part, we're heading to that point where it's going to be complete and finalized, it's beginning, God's kingdom, it's beginning, it's small and it's insignificant, but it will continue to grow and it will come to a point of conclusion one day. Our Lord Jesus Christ promised that. So let's talk about small and, in, and insignificant. Let's talk about small and, and insignificant. So think about how true this is in the life, in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about how, how this is uh, in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus was born. The wise men, right, they come to uh, Jerusalem. They meet with Herod and they say, where is this king of the Jews? And so where do they find Jesus at? Where do they find him at? They find him lying in a stable. They find him laying in a feeding trough. Now you would think, I'm thinking of, okay, if I'm thinking king, I'm thinking that I'm going to find a king and he's going to be in a palace. I, I can think of those old movies where, you know, uh, like whatever the person was, they're eating grapes, the servants feeding them grapes, and they're waving that big feather thing at them or whatever, Right? You're, I would be thinking that that's where you would find a king. That's where a king would be born. Uh, you'd think you'd find a king in a palace, lying on a royal bed. But the king of the world, the king of the universe, the God that created everything out of nothing, was lying in a small, in, insignificant, what? Feeding trough. So, think about the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's a carpenter, he's from Nazareth, and he began his earthly ministry, right? He picked 12 men, 12 men. None of them were princes, none of them were priests, none of them were nobles, none of them were rabbis, none of them were scribes, and none of them were Pharisees. There wasn't one a a religious elite person in the bunch, but this is who he went after. This is who he called to be his disciples, right? They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were outcasts. They were downcast. 
And they were the most unlikely people you would ever thought that, that our God, the God of the universe, would call and say, follow me. But here it is, right? They followed our Lord. They found him calling, talking, touching, healing the most unlikely people and calling those people to follow him. He did it all the way till he's crucified. So, we know he calls the unlikely, he calls the crippled, insignificant woman in the synagogue on a day, on the day of the Sabbath that nobody else would have looked at, everybody else would have ignored. He called that woman and he heals her. And in that miracle, the power of God was seen. When, if you, when today you got saved, in that miracle, the power of God was seen. You say, well, it hadn't happened to me yet. Well, if it does, if you get saved, the miracle of him saving you, the power of God will be seen. So what do you think the kingdom of God like, is like? Is it only big? Is it only huge? It's only where events of thousands of people are saved? No. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this tiny little mustard seed that you couldn't see here today. It's like this small batch of leaven that you can't see. It's like this one little crippled woman that everybody else overlooked that was transformed by the touch of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, reaching one person at a time, that's the goal. That's what we do. This is what you should be doing. Reaching one person at a time, and by not overlooking the small and the insignificant things. This is how the kingdom of God grows. This is how it grows. This is what he says. You want the blueprint? He says, here it is. So we should be encouraged because God really does work in ways that are small. Praise the Lord. Ways that are insignificant to establish his kingdom, his rule. God chooses some of the most unlikely people, right? If you're saved, that's you, that's me. The most unlikely places to accomplish his kingdom work. Rapid City, South Dakota, on the uh, reservations that we're getting ready to go on. He does this, why? So that no flesh may glory in his presence. He saves the, the unlikely. He saves the ones that the society says, there's no saving in those people. They'll never change They'll never amount to nothing. He saves those people because he gets all the glory. And he should, right? If you're saved in here today, he gets all the glory. He called you. He drew you. He put up with you. He gave you the faith to put in his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son to pay a price, to pay a debt that you owed, that you should have paid. And on top of that, he says, what I started in you, I am going to complete one day. It's God, 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 God. Why does he get all the glory? Because God does everything. It's all him. So Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, God didn't choose mighty, uh, many mighty. He didn't choose noble, wise, or powerful to accomplish his work. Here it is. But God chose the weak and the foolish to confound the wise and the strong that no flesh would glory in his presence. So God gets the glory. So when someone looks at what, it's what, what's happening uh, in, in this person, they say they didn't do that. They say they, they didn't do that. 
They couldn't do that. They, they, they look at that person and they say, look, that person's a mustard seed. They say, look, that, that person right there is a little bit of leaven. There's no way they could have done that. There's no way they could have changed. There's no way that, that their life could be made something beautiful out of, out of what's going on in them. And they look at that, right, and then they, and they go to God. They say the only person that could have changed that person is God. The only person that could take that little tiny mustard seed and make it a 15-foot tall plant for the glory of God is God. The only person that could take a little bit of leaven and make it uh, penetrate the whole person, the whole person, and where they would change and, and be surrendered to ministry and be used in many, many mighty ways, right? God. It all points to God. If you're saved, your life points to God. Every bit of it. So the Old Testament says, don't despise not the day of small things. It says, don't turn your back on small things. Glory in it. Praise about it. The Lord Jesus Christ used ex-convicts, ex-prostitutes, ex-tax collectors, ex-murderers, ex-liars, and some fishermen to build and grow his kingdom, and he still continues to save, change, and forgive people today. The last thing I want to talk to you about is opportunity. Is opportunity. So many of you know, some of you know, or maybe half you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of new people in here, but I got saved in that jail cell right, right over there across the street in 2013 because two men felt like it was important enough to sacrifice their time to go in there every two weeks and share the gospel. So I get out of jail in 2014, and, uh, and I meet Brother John Stroop, and he takes me to Sonic, uh, to, to get me a cheeseburger and then he takes me to the mission and he drops me off because the only other place that Mike Estelle could have went at the, during that time was the dope house the only other option I had I burned every bridge that I had and all the people that loved and cared for me those bridges were burnt up I had nowhere to go didn't have two pennies I could rub together in my fingers I had to close on my back and that was it Six weeks later, Freeway opened up its first discipleship house. Brother uh, Rick Lechner that's in Omaha now that started Omaha Freeway, just planted a church there. Uh, he came and picked me up. I moved in. So Brother John, Rick, and many, many, many other people started teaching me how to walk with the Lord. The most important thing, discipleship. Discipleship. So as they were teaching me to walk with the Lord, I got a job. I got an old beat-up truck, I got car insurance, I paid off my, my fines, I paid off my court costs, and you say, well, I've never had those things, or, or, or you say, uh, that's not a big deal. I want you to understand to a 42-year-old man that never done it before in his life, everywhere I went, I drove dirty, right? I mean, I, mean, I wasn't uh, licensed, I wasn't, you know, I was always disobeying the law, or whatever you want to call it, sorry, yeah, take that back. Didn't hear that. Didn't hear that. So, anyway, my point is, you say that's not a real big deal, but to a guy like me, it was a big deal. I'd never done those things in my entire life. I walked, I walked out on every debt I ever owed, right? I wasn't a man of my word. I mean, I was a scoundrel. And so that was huge for me because I'd never done it before in my life. 42-year-old man. Think about that. Seven years in prison in my life, right? I spent a lot of time in a joint. And, uh, 
And so in and out of prison, back and forth. Uh, I mean, I was supervised. I was supervised by the state of Missouri half my life. I mean, I had somebody I had to report to, back and forth, back and forth. Treatment centers, all of it. Right. So this was huge for me. These kind of things was huge. Having a driver's license was a big deal. Uh, so within, within a few months, I enrolled at uh, Baptist Bible College in Springfield because Brother John uh, was going there. And I looked at John, I looked at his life, and I said, I don't know what's going on with him, but I want what he's got. And I, so I just went to, went to BBC, and I, I enrolled in college for the first time in my life at 42. I told you, I quit high school at 15. I just dropped out because drugs was more important to me. So after being in the house, the discipleship house for 15 months, I, I moved over, and uh, this is when Freeway bought the south side house on the south side of town. Uh, so uh, John asked me to go over there. I moved over there. I got it up and running. I trained Brother Mike Graves to be the house leader. And then I moved up to uh, BBC and lived on campus because I had proven myself to the president of BBC. And he said, I'm going to give you a chance. You can live up here in our married apartments, even though you're not married. And, uh, and they gave me a job. I, I worked there at the college. Uh, and, I, and then Brother Jim Corbett I met through Freeway. And I did a lot of work for him. He's passed away now. He's home with the Lord um, uh, today. And a very instrumental man in my life. And he hired me to be an investigator for his law firm, which is sort of ironic, I think, you know, being a criminal. So, used to be a criminal, but I was pretty good at it. And so I was pretty good at it. I got the job done, and I did it in a way that, uh, that honored God. And then by doing that, uh, four other law, law firms put me on. And, uh, and I actually worked for all of them until actually I moved to South Dakota. They supported me while I was doing ministry here. Uh, in Marshfield and so I came to Crossbridge in uh, 2018 and so uh, what brother Mike does today is what I was doing here I was the director of your freeway I was your youth pastor which I thoroughly enjoyed uh, me and Kim still keep up on Facebook uh, with the people we had in our class and uh, and they're like our kids and uh, and I don't know if there's anything more than I've ever enjoyed um, than that and then uh, in 2018, I got full custody of my son, Parker, which is here today with his new wife, Josie. Uh, I graduated from BBC with honors in 2019 with a biblical counseling degree. I got ordained here at Crossroads Baptist Church in 2019. I, I married the love of my wife, Kim, in January uh, 2020. And then I, I completed my written, exam, ex written exams for... Uh, the ACBC, it's a, a counseling uh, association in 2020. And then in 2021, uh, we felt like we were called to leave this healthy, amazing uh, church, uh, you. Uh, and it was the hardest decision, I guarantee you, it was the hardest decision we've ever made. But, uh, but we moved to Rapid City, and uh, we started a freeway. Uh, we got there at the end of January when uh, we started Freeway in March uh, of that year. And then uh, by August, we opened up um, two discipleship apartments. We had to go into it that way because housing there is like $205 a square foot. And it was just unreasonable. And we were seeing so many uh, women uh, get out of treatment. And uh, they were going back to what brought them into treatment in the first place. So this is how we could get into the fight. This is how we could get into the game the quickest way. And so we opened up those in August. And, uh, and God's been doing a mighty work there. 
Uh, right now we're running a, we're running a hundred people on our freeway service uh, on Saturday nights. Seven of them being adults, thirty of them being kids, um, and uh, we're and we went to a place that never heard of freeway. They had no idea who freeway was, what we did, or whatever. So we started off, and what we did was is we went to all the treatment centers, we went to all the missions, we went to all the places uh, that no no church would want to go. And we started knocking on doors, and we started telling them, this is who we are, this is what God's done in our lives, and this is what we want to do, and we want you to be a part of it. And by doing that, um, a treatment center led us in, start teaching Bible study on Sundays. We've been doing it since we've been there, uh, so a year and three months. And we've got a lot of fruit uh, from that. We're seeing people come into freeway. We're seeing people uh, repent and, and believe on Jesus, and then they come into the church and they get baptized and then, it's, uh, and then as they're getting baptized, we're getting them plugged into our discipleship course, uh, which is uh, it's 26 weeks, but if you're in my class, it goes a year. So, just like the preaching, right? Long-winded, no. But, so, God's been doing a mighty work there. And, then, uh, and I just completed my supervised hours and awaiting my certification for my counseling degree which I'm going to become one of 1,700 in the world to have this kind of certification. Now you say, as I was doing all this, God restored my relationships with my family. And what I say by restored is, I mean, is if you, if you would have pictured, I got five minutes, that's what that means. So if you would have said, if you would have said, Mike, picture your family in the restoration, right? God, that's not what God has done. What God has done is he has uh, made my relationships better than I could have dreamed of. And then uh, I owed a bunch of money. I was in debt, $22,000 to the IRS, $7,200 to back child support. I couldn't buy a stick of gum on my credit. And then today, right, zero debt, don't owe anything. Uh, right, have a savings account, can buy whatever I want. And then right here, my wife, Kim, same thing. She could come up here and go through this stuff. Exactly the same thing, 22 years of addiction, right? And she landed out of jail into a discipleship house just like I did. So everything I just mentioned to you and the things that I left out, it, God did every single bit of it. Every bit of it. He gets the glory. He did all of it. All I did was is become a partaker of it. I just took the next right step in the next right way. God opened up a path for me to walk on. So it's all God. Don't, don't walk away here and think I did it. It's Him. And so you say, why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you all this? Because I believe a lot of these things would have never happened if I wasn't given the opportunity, the first opportunity to come into the Freeway Discipleship House. I would have never surrendered the ministry. I would have never went into college. I would have never uh, pursued a biblical counseling degree. I can assure you of that. I'm here today because some people were concerned about reaching one person at a time, and they were not overlooking the small and insignificant things such as myself, such as my wife, such as you're doing already, this church is already doing with the men that you're pouring into at the Marshall Freeway House. So what are those people, what those people did for me in 2014, we want to do for people in Rapid City, South Dakota. And so we want to give them an opportunity to walk with the Lord so God can make something beautiful and amazing out of their lives just like he did mine. And so I got some pictures for you if uh, on that thumb drive I gave you. So I just want to introduce you four people real quick. So this is Tanya. 
So Tanya, uh, she, uh, so that treatment center, we go in and do Bible study uh, every Sunday. We met her there, and we vet everybody that comes in our program. We'll leave a bed open before we put uh, a person in there that's not ready. So Tanya came to us. She moved in in August, right when the apartments opened up. She's with us from the beginning. She just graduated. She just got her own apartment, um, and uh, she's still plugged into the church. She's still plugged into Freeway. She does everything that Kim still has an operation of with the ladies. She's part of all of it. And this week, this week, those two children are going to be with her. She's got full custody of her kids back. Full custody of kids back. And I will tell you, I went to court with that lady, and there was a prosecuting attorney. She had like a bunch of felonies pending, and there was a prosecutor jumping up and down, telling the judge, don't you let her out. Don't you give her probation. She deserves to go to prison. And, the, and God changed his heart. God, the judge said, I'm giving her another chance. And so she was a meth addict. Uh, she was a criminal. Right? God took care of all those things. Meet Sammy. So Sammy, we met her in the same treatment center we go into every Sunday. And on that treatment center I'm talking about, too, they let us bring their women over on Saturday nights for freeway. They let the, us bring them over on Sunday mornings for church and Sunday night events and block party events during the summer when we have them. So Sammy here, she came to us out of treatment. She didn't come in right into our program. She went into another program uh, there that is free. And in another program, uh, there's no, ac no accountability. Well, right there, the baby she's holding is baby Bash, Sebastian. She had just uh, gave birth to him, and within one month, she lost custody of him. She lost custody of him because she was strung out on drugs and heroin again that quick. So they took her kid away. We made her go back into that treatment center for four weeks. She went in that treatment center, did everything they said. She came into our program after the four weeks. Now uh, she has been with us going on five months. The social services of South Dakota says right now, if Sammy moved out of our program, that they would give Sebastian back to her right now. And then uh, her other two kids, she lost a long time ago. Um, and they said, the case is closed. It's a done deal. Uh, forget about it. But now it looks to appear, appears like that there is a chance that she's going to get custody of her two oldest as well. So all praise to God, right? And so one thing about Sammy, I want to tell you, she'd been to prison I asked her last night, four times she'd been to prison, five treatment centers, kicked out of drug court, right, and lost custody of all three of her children. Now, if those things would have worked, you'd think that she would have changed by those things. But, but the, the reason why she failed down the program, because it wasn't about Jesus, there was no discipleship, and there was no accountability. And that's why she failed. And she's thriving, right? And Yeah. Meet Miranda, right? She came to us. She's been with us three months now. She came to us out of another treatment center, 30 miles away in Sturgis. She was addicted to crack cocaine, alcohol. She had attempted suicide. She sold herself to support her drug habit. She was cutting herself, harming herself, burning herself. But God set her free, and that girl right there is on fire for the Lord. She's bringing people into, into the fold that she used to know because they see her and her life, and they say, what? And they go, she's just a mustard seed. She's just a little leaven. And, and, and God, they're like, something's got to be true about God. And they're coming into church, and one of her friends just uh, freeway, I preached freeway last Saturday night. She came down the altar, she repented, and she got saved. 
and the girl's been with us ever since, and then she just got put in the hospital yesterday, and then uh, she was uh, telling her ride that I got to go to church today. So her parents are not with her where she's at, and she said, look, my parents come pick me up. They're dropping me off at church. So this is what God's doing. And then the last one I want to show you is a vet. So all these ladies are Native American. I know they may not look uh, Native American, but they all, they all are Native American. But Yvette here, uh, she came to us out of treatment as well. Uh, she didn't stay with us very long. Uh, she, she took a lump on her head. She wanted to move out. She moved out. And then uh, she was gone about a month, and then she asked if she could come back because she realized that she needed it. And so she was human trafficked at a young age. She grew up and was into drugs to deal with the everything that she was having to do. She was prostituting herself as well. She lost custody of her son, but God set her free. She now has visits, supervised visits with her son, and she was told last week that, she would, that she'll have custody of her child back within the next four months. So, so this is what God does, all right? This is what, this is what God does, and, that, and this has been since August. This has been since August. And so... Uh, so, I'm going to leave you with this. So, if you know who Peter's brother is, Andrew, right? He's the first of all the disciples to be called, right? He's, an, he's actually responsible for going and getting Peter and for Peter getting saved. Scripture doesn't tell us a lot about him. Andrew, Andrew always lived his life in the shadow of his brother Peter. Andrew was uh, so much in the background that the Gospel of Luke or Luke doesn't even bring him up. Doesn't even talk about him. Uh, and uh, Andrew never spoke, never wrote an epistle. He isn't mentioned in the book of Acts or any other, or any other of the epistles. Nothing in Scripture indicates that, that Andrew ever preached a sermon to a crowd or to masses of people uh, or that he even planted or founded a church anywhere. No, no mention of it. But remember, it was Andrew that brought Peter to Christ. He, his individual act led to the conversion of the man who would preach at Pentecost, which scripture tells us that in one day, 3,000 souls were added to the church. And you say, why is that important? Here it is. Why did I tell you this? All the fruit of Peter's ministry is also the fruit of Andrew's individual min, uh, witness or An Andrew's individual ministry. So why is that important? I want you to understand this. All the fruit of our ministry in Rapid City, South Dakota, is also the fruit of Crossbridge Baptist Church. And so when we get to heaven one day, because you sent us out, because you supported us, because you encouraged us, because your pastor continues to call me and speak truth into my life on a regular basis, because of all those prayers that you said, because of the money you gave, the van, the chairs that you provide us, all those things, everything that we accomplish up there in the name of Christ is going to be added to you, Crossbridge, to you. God is in the business of reaching one person at a time, and he is in the business definitely of using small and insignificant things for his glory. And that's what I got to, oh, and I'll leave you with that. So I know I went over, but that's what I do. <laughs> but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Uh, if you know me, it could have been a lot worse. So, 
So, uh, so today I know that Jeff's uh, mentioned to me to, that today uh, is communion. So let's just get to that. So uh, Je- I know Crossbridge, they don't require you to be a member of Crossbridge just because. Okay, we don't require you to be a member of Crossbridge just that you've made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if you're saved, right, you can partake in communion today. So this is a moment uh, we always ask, Scripture says, this is a moment where you take and you examine yourself before the Lord. You examine yourself before the Lord. And, and, And please, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, do not take this communion because Scripture gives us examples of people that did and it didn't fare well for them. And so, please take a couple of, oh, so Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30, he says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So here's the thing is, if you do take this cup in an unworthy manner, you're not saved, or you're living in an open, unconfessed sin, he says, don't be surprised if you become weak, ill, and some of you die. That's what it says, because that's what was happening back in that day. So it's serious. So take a couple minutes to, to uh, if you're sitting there, just examine yourselves before the Lord. Scripture tells us in Matthew 26 that Jesus had gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal. Am I supposed to keep yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I went too far. No, so, so we're going to have the worship team to come. And uh, a part of this, we'd like to do this during the invitation, Mike. So, hey, thank you. Thank you for giving us a report. Um, So we're going to have an invitation here. Just it, it, you know, uh, Mike touched on some things today. If you need to come and and pray, you can. But during this time, uh, we want you to take a couple of minutes and examine yourself before we take communion. Like he said, it's extremely important. You don't have to be a member here to take uh, communion with us. Just so you made a public profession of faith. But if you have sin in your life, unconfessed, unrepentant sin, you have time now that you can uh, talk, turn that over to Christ uh, before we take communion. So I'm going to ask our worship team if they would. Uh, go ahead and lead us in song while we uh, examine ourselves. If you would, please stand this morning.
this morning. We're gonna. Uh, I want to do something today. I think this is a. He asked if he could come this morning and say a couple of words uh, to this church. And this is a picture of repentance and reconciliation. So James, come on up here. He's got a couple of seconds here that I, he wants to. He wants to talk to you. Hi, everybody. Uh, oddly enough, it happens on the day that we're having communion. Um, so I want to be brief. Uh, James chapter 5 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And the word confess, it means to agree or to admit or to say the same thing. Confession is saying the same thing as God does about sin. It involves identifying sin for what it is, truly and honestly acknowledging the offenses that we have committed. Psalms 32, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me, and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. To live as the children of light in Ephesians, we must be honest with ourselves about who we are, including our shortcomings, failures, and our struggles with sin. So, I want to apologize to this church and this church body. You guys poured into me for a very long time. Um, I disregarded your counsel. Um, I was dishonest and deceitful with you. I mean, a lot of you know in what terms I was. And so I want to say that I am truly sorry for what I have done to you and that I love you and I miss you. But I want you to know that I have laid that sin down on the altar and it is so freeing to be free from that. Um, I'm getting ready to rejoin my church. I'm getting ready to sing back in the choir um, in Springfield. And I just love you guys. And I want you to know how truly sorry I am that um, I took your counsel, I disregarded it, and that I deceived you and I lied to you. And I just love you guys very, very much. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Hey, we didn't we didn't ask him to do that. He he contacted us and said, "Hey, I want to address the church." And that is a picture of repentance and reconciliation, exactly what you preached about. I'm going to ask our elders uh, to come forward this morning, and Mike, come on up here, um, and we're gonna we're gonna take communion this morning. Um, so it's this is a very very important time. Uh, in the life of a church body where we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. And he didn't have to do what he did. He did it because he loved us and he was being obedient to the Father. And so as we take this, it's a time of remembrance of what he did uh, for you individually. It's also a time that we can look forward to him coming back. And we should look forward to him coming back. So uh, as we pass this out, we will take it together. Uh, and, and scripturally, this is what Jesus told us to do. It's in Matthew 26. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. So I'm going to ask Alan this morning if he would please bless the bread. Our holy heavenly father as we we prepare to remember father what you done through your son Jesus Christ on that cross. As we take this bread father help us remember that his body was broken for us and that we are healed by what he did that day. So, Father, we love you for that and help us to always hold that in high regard. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Also at this time, families, uh, 
If, if your child has publicly professed Christ, they can take communion. If they haven't, we, we ask that you administer uh, that with your own families this morning. So as we pass it out, you can spend time in prayer thanking our Lord.
Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. Take ye and eat. Then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he said, drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Mike, would you please bless the cup? Lord Jesus, we just thank you uh, this morning for this opportunity, Lord, just to uh, take communion, Lord. And we thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross, Lord. And, and maybe we never forget that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Take ye and drink. Scripture says they went out rejoicing. So I'm going to ask our worship team if they would come, went out rejoicing and singing. Uh, I'm going to ask them to come. While they're coming this morning, where's Leslie at? Where'd he go and set at? Come here, Leslie. I had the opportunity to talk to Leslie on Wednesday night. And uh, you guys know Leslie. He's been around for about six months now. And he's going through our program. And he asked to, uh, wants to be a part of this local body of believers. Um, so I, I had an opportunity to visit with him. He'll be taking the, the new member class. Anything you want to say? Uh, just thank you. You guys are a perfect example of the, exactly what we're supposed to be, which is more like Christ. And he loved and sacrificed himself in everything for others. And you guys show that every day. So thank you. Amen. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we close in song. When we get done singing, come around and congratulate uh, Leslie uh, on, on this commitment that he's made to this local body. And uh, also, w one thing you can do today um, that, that we as a church, we're doing. Um, I'll ask Mike and Kim if they want to stand back in the back. You have an opportunity to bless their ministry this morning uh, and to help fund, pay their apartment, uh, the apartments of, the, of the, uh, the, the program there, the women's houses there. And so we as a church this morning gave them uh, some funds this morning. And individually, if you want to help with this, uh, checks need to be made out to, if, if you want to give to Freeway Rapid City, correct? So we love supporting our missionaries is what this church is about. So um, you have the opportunity to do that. So let's close in song. Mike and Kim, if you want to go to the back and have a Bible there if you want to, you can do that. Um, we, want, we want to support you financially also, not only with our prayers, but our finances and what you're doing and the work you're doing. So uh, thank you guys. As we close in worship, singing to our Lord. <laughs> 